Hi, I'm April Morley. I'm co-founder of Genius Drive, as well as the Enterprise Value Collective. And I'm Tom Pacello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our consultancy, Genius Drive. Our mission, that's to help you accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. And who better to welcome in to discuss this? Uh, Marcelle Veramani, she's the global head of value for product analytics software firm Amplitude, and she's a former value leader and practitioner with SAP Concur and several other companies. Welcome, Marcel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Awesome. So value coffee talk, we have to do a value coffee check. Do you have your coffee and are you ready? We're ready. Awesome. Yeah. You've had the opportunity and perspective of creating a few value programs. Um, we mentioned that you were at SAP Concur. And what I'd love to find out is where did you, when you started at SAP Concur and began to build that program up, where did that value program yeah. start from? Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting question. I get asked that quite frequently. Um, the SAP Concur line of business um, really had a hold on the market. Um, we were clearly saturated um, after some time. And the, the concept of value selling wasn't really innate to the early stages of Concur. It was only when we recognized that our existing customer base, like 87% of the North American market, was now transitioning into what we would consider our next addressable market. It was time to really flip the switch and go into a quote unquote client sales motion. And um, so we stood up this client selling motion and in the thick of all of that, I was the leader of the solution consulting organization. And we realized that when we went into this existing customer, this install base, that you couldn't have the same conversation anymore, that you couldn't sell to them in the same way that you would a net new prospect. And so we, um, there, there, I have a napkin, I'm, I'm in a hotel room right now, but I have a napkin on my wall in my office at home that is a depiction of how I recognize like, oh my gosh, we have to talk different. We have to focus on the value that the customer has achieved from us at this point or up to this point. And um, from that point forward, everything changed. It was, it was like this light bulb went on um, for me as well as the organization. And so the, the concept of value um, was actually designed and, and the program itself stood up with the existing install base in mind. It, we did not pursue you know, new prospect motions and quote unquote value engineering, um, you know, legacy value engineering type capacity. It was how do we get the existing install base to actually buy more from us, which meant you had to have a different conversation and you had to up level um, how you sold and how you, you know, served them. So really it, it stemmed from the fact that we had to reverse engineer value engineering and go go to where the customer, um, you know, go to the customer and figure out what the value was they were actually getting from Concur. 
That's so interesting, Marshall. So you're speaking of you have to approach it differently when they're a current customer. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know how that is, how you approach it differently, as well as the advantages mm -hmm. you think you, it is to start the program from a customer success side. Yeah. So um, I would say we were pretty, this is early concur, you know, we were running a 98% retention rate. So there was clearly something there that was um, keeping the customer happy and they were successful, right? So mm -hmm. it was a matter of flipping the switch and saying, okay, how do we figure out what that is? It wasn't just Excel replacement at the time, right? I mean, I think a lot of T&E really made it's, you know, got into the mainstream because it was like, how do you replace a manual process? But as Concur got more um, broad with their product offerings and whatnot, it was it became this ecosystem. It became this whole, you know, I guess what I considered at the time, I considered it a mobilizer of the of our customers, you know, field. We we weren't just going to market with an Excel replacement or some sort of you know integration tool. It was how are we mobilizing our customers' field and sales organizations to get out there and do what they do best, right? So there was some, there was something there. And so um, as we got more into exploring the customer and figuring out how to sell to them um, in that new way, we recognized that there was a whole bunch that we didn't even know. Like we didn't realize that value. I think we, we saw it like it was, a, like I said, it was just a process. We were a system or a tool that was, you know, making their life easier from an admin perspective or whatever. But at the end of it, it was like, wait a second, we have, we have done something really great. Now, what is that? And our customers were very vocal. They wanted to share. They wanted to talk to us about what that value was. Um, they wanted to talk about where it wasn't as valuable as well. So we got a lot of learnings from that. And, um, and we ended up pretty much setting up an entire value organization from that, from that side of the, the house, like it, it wasn't traditional. And to this day, I think I still try to explain this to folks and it's hard because we think it's like, you have to get this value engineering or this business case stood up and then, and then hope it works. It's like, no, we had to actually prove that it was happening, that the value was there with the existing customers, um, Otherwise, we were we were at risk, right? Our entire client sales motion was at risk. Um, so, you know, it was about understanding what that value was, and we learned so much from our customers. Um, and that's when the original value consulting team stood up. Um, the value consultants themselves were um, actually aligned to the client sales organization. They did not align to any net new sales process at the time. So, yeah, now, Marshall, most programs start the exact opposite, right? They start with pre-sales. Right. Um, mm -hmm. When you got to Amplitude, this was a whole new program, totally different company. Mm -hmm. Did you start the program from customer success? Did you start it from pre-sales, kind of the more traditional approach? Tell us a little bit about what you did differently there. Yeah, yeah. so to be honest, when I came into Amplitude, we needed both. Mm -hmm. um, Amplitude had started their, uh, our client selling, 
like we had already bifurcated into land reps or land sales and, and expand motions. And, you know, being quite transparent, I mean, COVID changed the game for our digital customer base, right? Mm -hmm. Amplitude is about, we support the digital experience of our customer's customer. And so um, there was a ne immediate need for both. We were a very young organization. Amplitude had just recently, you know, gone public and we had to get more mature with enterprise sales motion. And then on the flip side, we had a lot of customers, existing customers who had bought volume, who had really, you know, went all in with Amplitude. And there was a need to figure out what that value was. This is, this is not 20 years of T&E. This is, you know, maybe I'm going to give it, I'm going to say three years, if not less, of what our market is, which is this digital analytics concept. And so that value on the in life cycle is still being explored. So you need it, Amplitude actually needed it from the, you know, for both sides. And so I'm in the process now of exploring both and kind of trying to give equal attention to both. Um, but when I came in, I, I knew based on my experience with Concur that we had to actually figure out what was really happening with the existing install base because that was going to feed what is an appropriate like pre-sale motion, mm -hmm. right? It, you, you have to take that learning. Um, otherwise you're still just putting, you know, in my, you know, in some cases you're just putting, um, you know, a business case together and you're hoping it works. We need these proof points coming from the customer side. So short answer is both. I had to, we're attacking both sides of the coin right now. Um, and what's great about this is the organization is actually, um, we, we know that that red thread is, is being pulled through it's kind of bi-directional. I'm pulling red through red thread through from the success side and we're pulling it from, you know, from what we believe in our strategy and what the land side or what the, um, you know, initial pre-sales motion also has there. So it, it, I'm focusing on both right now is kind of the best way to say it. You had mentioned something earlier about um, when you were at Concur and there was an Excel replacement and then moving that conversation to more about the transformation that you're providing to your customers. And it sounds like that's something that you had to do in your new role as well. Uh, a lot of our mm -hmm. listeners are facing that challenge in terms of how do we even determine what our value proposition is and how we help transform our customers' business. So what advice would you provide to them about that process? Yeah, that's a that's a heavy question, April. Um, <laughs> mainly because it, it it's just it's a hard one to it's it's a hard one to feel. So my strategy is this: if you can sit here and talk about your product in a way that is not the product, then you are going to start to extract the value proposition appropriately. And what I mean by that is when I was at Concur. I knew because I used to be a customer of Concur when in my prior life. Mm -hmm. So I knew the real need for the solution. I knew that I had to make sure that the Nordstrom buyers were in market and they were able to successfully go procure, you know, and make the, 
you know, make their buys and do all the things that they need to do because I knew there was a dependency in the business for us to then sell that product, you know. So I had to make sure that they were effective in their role. I knew that that was actually the downstream impact of Concur. It wasn't the fact that they had a corporate card and they could do their expense reports. There was a bigger, there was a bigger vision or a bigger uh, reason for effective or efficient T&E. So for Amplitude, when I came over and I started to, I, I had explored the tool, the, pro, the product um, quite a bit before I made the jump, but I recognized that there was something bigger here. So our, some of our legacy go-to-market messaging and value proposition at Amplitude was very focused on productivity gain, operational mm -hmm. efficiency, same with Concur, same with a lot of other, you know, digital products, right? All about the utility of being more efficient in whatever role you hold. And I recognized with Amplitude, I thought, how do I talk about this in a way that is not feeling like it's just productivity again. And I, and I, and I saw that we are actually an enabler of our customers, digital experiences, and that opened up so many things. So my advice or the way that I approach this is I try to think about it the next level up and the next level up from that. If you're just thinking about the utility of the product you're selling or the value, the utility of just, you know, that first line value proposition, then you're missing the mark. You have to ask mm -hmm. yourself as a value practitioner, you have to ask yourself why as well. You're not just asking the three or the five whys in sales process. If you're a value practitioner and you're responsible for setting up a value practice, you yourself also have to ask, well, why does that matter? Oh, and then why does that matter? And then why does that matter? Um, that's when you're gonna get to the right level of what I would consider your value proposition. Now with Amplitude, clearly, it's more than that. Again, it goes back to digital experiences. We enable our customers to monetize their digital products. We enable our customers to uh, acquire new users and to drive that digital adoption of their digital product. We help them retain that customer base. We help them personalize that experience you know, for their customer. All of that is powered by Amplitude, which is much more than just saying, hey, Amplitude is a operational efficiency tool and you'll get, you know, you can do analysis faster. It was, we're, we're flipping, you know, the story and it, it absolutely um, starts to resonate more with the stakeholders you're talking to. So the last thing I would say is like value proposition is in the eye of the beholder, meaning that whoever your target audience is, whatever target stakeholder or whatever you have, your value proposition may shift depending on the persona you're talking to. And that's an important piece to remember. Um, maybe a user level is still productivity, but a C level is certainly all of the other facets or OKRs of the business, right? So hope that, you know, hope that's good advice. <laughs> totally, Marshall. And I think you mentioned to me one of the secrets of getting companies to think of it in a different way is making sure that you are dealing with all of the personas, not the persona that's right in front of you most of the time, but that one level up, two levels up, three levels up to make sure that you're resonating with what they care about, their pains mm -hmm. and the gains that they wanna make, not just the tactical buyer that you're having most of the conversations with that you tend to get myopically focused on and tends to be much mm -hmm. more tactical and productivity focused.
Right. Well, what I would, what I would say to that is, um, that's where your part. So maybe we'll get into this in maybe another episode or whatever, but you know, there is a necessity to, in a value capacity to connect with the other functions in the business. Um, the value office is not just a function. It is a go, it's a go-to-market strategy. And so to what you just said, Tom, in order to be able to message and connect with other stakeholders, other functions in the business, you got to work with your marketing teams. You got to work with other functions so that you can curate though that those slices of the message, right? Mm -hmm. Our target personas, level through to, you know, at uh, what I would consider director manager level all the way through to user level and marketing, finance, uh, product teams, engineering, data science, you know, the list goes on and on in terms of who we actually play in the sandbox with. And, um, and so I have been working tirelessly and I recommend all of the listeners to also think about who else in your organization can help you kind of set those packages up so that the team can almost modularize the way they go to market in value context, right? They can easily go to a product team member. They can easily go to a C-level. They can easily go, you know, to a marketer. All of that needs to be part of the package. Um, and then I would also say um, that it's, it's important for you. There's verticalization as well. And I'm sure there's lots that we could talk about in terms of verticalization, but verticalizing the way you tell the value story is also very important, right? Absolutely. I think what you're targeting there, Marshall, is like it really does take the whole organization to get behind the value proposition. It takes the you know, focus on every stage of the value life cycle to truly be successful and in, in supporting the customer throughout their journey. So everything you're ma saying makes total sense. Um, and just curious, yeah. like, what do you think, um, is the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our enterprise value collective with today? Uh, the one piece of advice, um, I do not go at a value program in a, in a vacuum. Um, and what mm -hmm. I mean by that is to kind of what I said earlier is that value is the underpinning of your go-to-market like that, like every single role in your go-to-market organization listeners is, has some sort of attachment to value. Everybody needs to draft off of that value proposition, whether that's your top of funnel demand gen motions, that value story needs to live there. If it's qualification, you know, SDR motion the value proposition needs to live there, live there all the way through into pre-sales and how you're showing up in front of the prospect through to implementation, through to servicing the customer and success. So my recommendation is to not think about value activity or value practice as just a stage. Think about it as the underpinning for your go-to-market and everything will kind of start to open up and everyone will be able to draft off that value proposition and do their job. Preach. Love it. Well said, Michelle. <laughs> thank you. So, thank you so much for participating with us today in the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Yes, I appreciate it. I'm excited. I hope that I get to like meet your listeners. I hope, you know, as this grows, this is exciting. I'm 
I'm so um, thrilled to be part of it. So thank you. We are so thrilled to have you, Marshall, and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And indeed, we will definitely have you back either here on the podcast and or hopefully a live event and a meetup. So thanks. Yeah. Please that sign up for the great. Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn if you haven't joined yet or on our GeniusDrive.com website to stay in touch with the latest events, tools, and insights. Hit the like button, subscribe to this podcast if you like what you heard so you can get notified about the latest episodes. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together. Thank you.